0: You're listening to the Quince podcast. On 18th May, Hardik Patel, who came into the limelight in Gujarat on the back of the Partidar agitation, ended his three year long stint at the Congress and quit the party. Taking swipes at senior leaders, He accused the party of lacking strong leadership both at the state and central levels. Explaining the reasons behind his decision to quit, he said that the party only plays the role of a quote-unquote roadblock when it comes to serious issues, be it the Ram Mandir issue, the abrogation of Article 370 or GST. While it's not yet clear where Hardik will be headed next, Resignations within the Congress party have been on the rise as we're seen brazen expressions of discontentment over party leadership and the party's functioning from Congress leaders themselves. And it's not just Hardik. Many prominent and senior leaders, some of whom had decades-long association with the Congress, quit the party and switched over to opposition parties over the last few years. In fact, as we talk about the Congress's decline... Just earlier today, a former senior leader of Congress from Punjab, Sunil Jakhar, joined the Bharatiya Janata party merely five days after quitting the Congress. But what doesn't make for good optics is that Hardik's resignation comes just days after the Congress wrapped up that three-day Chintan Shivir in Udaipur, where the party got together to chart out a plan for its revival. Jakhar, in fact resigned while the Shiver was still underway. And what prompted this political huddle are repeated electoral losses, criticisms over the lack of strong leadership at the helm and the fact that the party's own leaders have been urging for a major overhaul. So we look at two things in this episode. Firstly, how does Hardik Patel and Sunil Jhaka's exit stand to impact the Congress at a time when it's fast losing its grip over its voters? And secondly, what are the big takeaways from the Chintan Shivir? Is the Congress acknowledging the shortcomings that have been costing it so dearly? And our guest in today's episode is Aditya Menon, the Queen's political editor. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. I'm your host, Shorburi. Perhaps Hardik Patel's departure wasn't unforeseen as the young leader had removed the word Congress from his Twitter bio earlier this month. And just to elaborate a little more about what the resignation letter that he had posted on Twitter said, I'm going to read out a few lines here. Quote, the youth of the country wants a strong and capable leadership. Over the last three years, I've found that the Congress Party and its leadership, both at the centre and state level, have been reduced to merely opposing everything. Then he also said that the grand old party are not seriously engaged over issues. I'm again going to read out a few lines here. Quote, I've always felt that leaders were not truly interested in hearing about problems concerning the people of Gujarat, but were more engrossed on what messages they had received on their mobile and Are those such trivial things? Whenever a country faced challenges, and whenever the Congress needed leadership, Congress leaders were enjoying abroad. When it came to issues in India, Gujarat, and my Patidar community was to oppose what the government of India, led by Prime Minister Narendra Modi, did. End quote. And soon enough, there were counter allegations from the Congress as well. Arjun Modhwadia, former Gujarat Congress President, told the Quinn that Hardik wanted an quote-unquote easy life, but he didn't get it. Raju Parmar, former MP and Gujarat Congress leader, said that this points to an quote-unquote ideological bankruptcy. Senior leader Shakti Singh Gohil also went on to alleging a BJP hand in this. He said, quote, these are not allegations of someone who has quit Congress. These are all written down by the BJP. This mouth is theirs. The language is of BJP. End quote. But how will his exit impact the Congress in the state? Before we get to that, let's understand what kind of political influence he has had in Gujarat. So, Hardik has been swung into the limelight in 2015, as we said, as the Patidar quota agitation that demanded OBC status for the community gathered steam in Gujarat. While he had voiced his support for Congress around 2017, he formally joined the party only in 2019, ahead of the Lok Sabha elections. But the BJP swept all 26 seats in Gujarat in the elections that year. However, his popularity among the young masses ensured that he was appointed as the working president of Gujarat Congress in 2020, And then in a few months, the BJP once again won all the eight bipoles held in the state that year. But a number of factors have also contributed to Hardik's popularity waning. Aditya Menon explains how.
1: Hardik Patel's popularity was at its peak around 2016-2017 due to the Partidhar agitation. Uh, The rallies that he addressed in the run-up to the 2017 uh, assembly elections attracted massive crowds. Such crowds uh, have not even... Been seen in Gujarat politics since decades, and an equal number used to listen to his rallies online. Uh, He was hugely popular among uh, Partidar youth. Uh, So, at that time, yes, Hardik Patel was extremely popular, uh, but uh, it was also in some ways not his personal popularity. Uh, It came from a larger community sentiment in favor of uh, reservations for the Partidar community. A lot of uh, the support that Hardik got was also due to certain Partidhar organizations and even uh, Partidhar leaders within the BJP tactically backing him uh, to sort of undercut the state government, uh, especially uh, the the uh, authority of uh, Chief Minister Anandi Bin Patel before her removal. Uh, so that, w- that also contributed to Hardik Patel's popularity. So. These were also external factors, factors that weren't directly related to Hardik that led to the crowds uh, that uh, uh, that congregated at his function. So, obviously, after the limited uh, purpose of these BJP leaders was achieved, that Anandi Ven Patel was removed, uh, they withdrew support uh, from Hardik Patel. And then, of course, when uh, the BJP managed to win the 2017 assembly elections, though by not a very big margin, uh, there was probably a sense among the Partidar community that they have to somehow make peace with the BJP. Uh, Hardik Patel was subsequently embroiled in cases. Uh, He couldn't even contest the 2019 uh, Lok Sabha elections because of of, uh, his conviction in in a local court in Gujarat. Uh, So, a number of these factors contributed to Hardik's popularity waning, even among uh, the Partidar youth.
0: But what does Hardik's exit mean for the Congress, which has been out of power in Gujarat for the past 27 years? If we look at the 2017 Assembly elections, the Congress had managed to restrict the BJP to double digits. But this was also in part aided by the support from the three young leaders – Rignesh Mevani, Alpesh Thakur and Hardik Patel, each of whom represent the OBC, the Dalit and the influential Patidar communities. With Hardik now gone, out of the three, only Mevani remains since Alpesh Thakur had quit the party early in 2019 and switched to the BJP. So what kind of an impact are we looking at in the run-up to the Gujarat elections? Aditya analyzes this for us.
1: In the 2017 Assembly elections, yes, Hardik Patel did help the Congress in a very substantial way even though he wasn't part of the party at that point of time, he joined only in 2019, but it was well known that he was tacitly supporting the Congress in that election. Uh, Congress would never have uh, swept rural uh, Saurashtra the way it did had Hardik Patel not been campaigning actively against the BJP. Uh, There was rural unrest against uh, the BJP. Uh, The Partidar community had traditionally not been voting Congress for at least uh, three decades, if not more. And uh, therefore, Hardik Patel's rallies against the BJP did lead to a certain shift of Partidar votes in favor of the Congress in the 2017 uh, Assembly elections. However, that waned uh, by the time the 2019 Lok Sabha elections took place. The Partidars moved firmly back into the BJP fold. Uh, later, uh, they, a section of dars even uh, tactically backed the Aam party in the Surat the Municipal Corporation elections. Uh, that also is said to have been Hardik Patel's doing. So, uh, yes, I think just in that one 2017 election, the rural Saurashtra, the Congress did do well, uh, partly because of uh, Hardik Patel's support. But beyond that, uh, Hardik Patel hasn't really helped the Congress in any substantial way.
0: With Alpesh gone and now Hardik as well, the youth factor that the Congress was trying to build up is likely to take a hit in Gujarat.
1: One obvious casualty of Hardik Patel's exit would be in the morale in the Congress party. Uh, As it is, the party was not in a very great state, especially after a series of uh, defections from its ranks to the BJP. Uh, Hardik is the latest in, in among these leaders. Then uh, the Congress in 2017 had uh, really tried to tap on the youth factor by projecting uh, Hardik Patel among Patidars, Alpesh Thakur among OBCs and Jignesh Mewani among Dalits uh, as this troika of young leaders representing a new Gujarat. Uh, Alpesh thakur left uh, and joined the bjp in 2019 uh, hardik patel has now gone uh, out of the congress some say he might join the bjp some say he might join uh, the aap or form his own party that we don't know uh, but yes um, at least this youth factor that the congress was trying to play uh, it will now find it increasingly difficult to do that it uh, be- besides mewani it doesn't have too many young leaders on its ranks. Definitely uh, among partidars, there is a paucity of leadership. Uh, There is Paresh Dhanani, who uh, is the leader of opposition in in the Gujarat Assembly. He is a partidar face, but he is not really recognized as a partidar leader. I think to make up for that, the Congress is trying to woo Naresh Patel, uh, who is an important community leader among partidars. Uh, So, yeah, if Naresh Patel comes in, it will more than compensate for the loss of Hardik Patel.
0: However, this resignation can't be viewed as a singular event. Rather, it's a symptom of the Congress's overall decline. Let's come to Sunil Jhakar, a former chief of the Punjab Congress who has now shifted to the BJP. Jhakar's family has been associated with the Congress for close to 50 years. His father Balram Jhakar was the Lok Sabha speaker. How will his shift to the BJP affect the Congress in Punjab?
1: I think the Congress in Punjab is in a bit of a crisis. Uh, Sunil Kumar Jakhar, former Punjab Congress Chief, he has now joined the BJP. Another former Punjab Congress Chief, Navjot Singh Sidhu, has been sentenced to a year in jail uh, regarding a three-decade-old hit-and-run case. Uh, so yes, I mean, the, there is a certain crisis in the Punjab Congress. Uh, however, uh, Sunil Jakhar is not really a mass leader. Uh, he was just about popular in his seat of Abohar. Uh, even that seat he lost in the 2017 uh, assembly elections despite a large Congress wave in the state. Uh, so, yes, Jakhar is not a mass leader, but then he has a certain symbolic value. Uh, Jakhar's family has been with the Congress for about 50 years. Uh, his father, Balram Jakhar, was the Lok Sabha speaker. Uh, there is a great deal of prestige associated uh, with Jaakhar. Uh, the second way uh, Jaakhar's exit could harm the Congress is because of the reason of his exit. Jaakhar has been uh, consistently saying that he was deprived deprived of the Chief Minister's Chair uh, because Central Congress leaders like Ambika Aswani said that uh, a Hindu cannot be Chief Minister. Uh, so, in that sense, Jaakhar is trying to project himself as this sort of victim of certain anti-Hindu uh, bias in the Congress uh, and now he has joined the BJP so he will now get a very strong platform to continue with that narrative. Uh, so yes, I think what Jakhar could potentially represent uh, may be harmful for the Congress but in in himself uh, Jakhar is not a very uh, strong leader. BJP of course will now get a very uh, articulate and respected talking head in Punjab uh, it may or may not affect the party's electoral choices. But yes, in terms of visibility and in terms of showing the BJP's seriousness regarding Punjab, uh, Jakar's ent- entry is going to be extremely uh, beneficial for it.
0: And as I said before, what doesn't make for good optics is that Hardik's resignation and Jakar's shift to the BJP come right as the Chintan Shivir ended, which was supposed to address the root of this very problem and brainstorm cost-correction measures. This has been a long-standing demand for many Congress leaders as well, especially given the repeated electoral losses... Disconnected ground level and the growing number of resignations in the party. It was in 2020 that a group of 23 senior leaders, including Ghulam Nabi Azad, Kapil Sibbal, Shashi Tharoor and others, were collectively referred to as the G23, had voiced an existential crisis in the party and called for organisational changes. Following that, there have been Congress Working Committee meetings to examine the party's losses and bring in a change. But to a large extent, things have been rather stagnant at the Congress. There were also murmurs then about roping in political strategist Prashant Kishore, but it has been reported that he didn't join the party because of disagreements over his revival strategies for the Congress. And so, as the Chintan Shivir concluded on 15th May, political observers have been keenly watching out for whether the Nav Sankalp declaration will usher in reforms in the Congress or not. Has the party acknowledged the niggling problems or not? And it's been reported that the gathering considered the ideas proposed by dissenting leaders, the need to build alliances with smaller parties and bring in younger leadership, etc. But we'll let Aditya take us through some of the key takeaways of what was discussed and some of the measures that were announced.
1: So the Congress has introduced a few reforms uh, through this Chintan Shiver. Uh, It has announced that uh, 50% of the posts at every level will be reserved for uh, leaders who are under 50 years of age. Uh, So, there's some kind of a generational change that the Congress is trying to project. Uh, then the party says that uh, two people from the same family uh, will not get a ticket unless, of course, the second person also has five years of organizational experience. Uh, so yes, with a caveat that may end up uh, you know, exempting most of the Congress's political families, uh, they have tried to introduce this measure. Uh, then they have introduced a few new bodies within the party organization. One is an election management uh, committee. Uh, the other is a committee that will provide data insights and uh, feedback uh, to the con- uh, Congress consistently, assuming that I think they are probably looking at a team uh, that conducts surveys at a regular level. Uh, then they also want certain uh, some kind of assessment. Uh, of party leaders. But then, you know, many of these measures are also half-hearted. For instance, uh, the assessment mechanism was initially proposed as a separate committee, Uh, but now it will take place within the Congress's general secretary organization and his team. So in the end, the same people like uh, say KC Venugopal, the present general secretary organization will remain in charge of this entire process. Uh, Also, uh, a, a body was being considered to sort of take key decisions for the party as some kind of a parliamentary board. Uh, But that uh, also did not eventually take place and instead what has been appointed is an ad hoc committee uh, to sort of advise the Congress President on key issues. Uh, So, this committee now does not have any real powers except advising the Congress President. A parliamentary board would have had uh, some more statutory authority. So in that sense, yes, many of these uh, so-called reforms from the Congress are half-hearted. Then uh, then comes the question of alliances. Here again, the Congress has been a bit half-hearted. So on one hand, their declaration says that they uh, will try to build uh, their base everywhere, but they are open to entering into alliances based on particular circumstances. Uh, So, on one hand, they have made this slightly mild push towards alliances to defeat the BJP. On the other hand, Rahul Gandhi spent a great deal of his uh, uh, closing address on attacking regional parties. So, it's a bit confusing that on one hand, the party says that they want to build themselves nationally, but they are also open to uh, uh, alliances in some places, but Rahul Gandhi also Attacks uh, regional parties. So I think the messaging is a bit confusing. Uh, but some of, I think, the biggest positive takeaway uh, for the con- Congress from the Chintan Shivir uh, was that uh, the G23, you know, the group of uh, rebels who had lit- written that letter of dissent to uh, Congress President Sonia Gandhi, they have uh, more or less been accommodated, uh, with the sole exception of Sibal. Um, uh, Leaders like Ghulam Nabi Azad, uh, Anand Sharma, Shashi Tarur, Purturath Sawan, Mukul Wasnik, Bhupender Singh Hudda were all given a great deal of respect uh, at the Chintan Shivir. In fact, uh, Mr. Hudda and Mr. Wasnik even ended up chairing key committees. Uh, and uh, Mr. Azad, Anand Sharma, Mr. Sawan were all key parts of, of important committees. So, uh, it seems that uh, no, um, this G23's rebellion is almost over now. Uh, so, yeah, in that sense, the Congress has managed to keep its flock much more united and prevent an outright split in the party. I think that's a limited achievement that the uh, that uh, the Congress can take away from the Chintashiva.
0: Having said that, what the party remains divided on, Aditya says, is how to counter the BJP's Hindu card.
1: I think there was a clear north-south divide when it came to the uh, playing the Hindu card or display of public religiosity by uh, Congress leaders. Um, on one hand, leaders uh, from Hindi-speaking states, particularly uh, people like uh, Bhupesh Baghel, Chief Minister of Chhattisgarh, and former Madhya Pradesh uh, CM Kamal Nath, uh, they seem to have suggested uh, that uh, party leaders should actively take part in religious functions, actively conduct religious functions and uh, be seen to be engaging uh, with uh, the Hindu community to sort of uh, counter this anti-Hindu tag that the BJP seems to have given the Congress. Uh, On the other hand, there were leaders uh, like Purthurat Sawan and uh, a a section of leaders from Kerala and Tamil Nadu who said that uh, the Congress should steer clear of any uh, any amount of religion in 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 politics, and not try and play on the BJP's field. Those were the words that were used. Uh, so yes, there is a divide in the party. Uh, it's not a divide that is so fundamental that is going to create some major uh, fissures in the party. But yes, uh, it did uh, lead to uh, uh, some kind of a exchange of words. And uh, yeah, in the time to come, I think the party will need to take a call on this.
0: The Chintan Shiver ended with a Bharat Joro call that echoes Mahatma Gandhi's famous Bharat Choro slogan. A Bharat Joro walk is also going to be held later this year. But will all this be able to turn tides for the Congress? If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSawan and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com.
1: Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts.